I advise, I speak to a lot of young startups and people starting off, and I'd say easily 80, 90% of the reason why they end up failing is they made the mis same mistake I did, right? They have this <laughs> great idea, driven typically out of their passion. Yes. Uh, and I wrote a blog post about this, the passion fallacy, which is your, pa your passion drives you to do something because you love it, but no one wants it, <laughs> right? So it's important to think about that. Welcome to 14 Minutes of SaaS, the show where you can listen to the stories and opinions of founders of the world's most remarkable SaaS scale-ups. In this, the second and final part of our chat with David Darmanin, CEO and co-founder of Hotjar, he talks about his passion for building 100% distributed companies, which are 100% remote working, the importance he places on self-awareness and building on one's strengths, and he mentions some great books that he mandates all new employees to read when they join the company. Bringing you back to the remote uh, piece, any recommendations for a company that wants to, to build like that, build a team like that? There aren't that many, actually. And in fact, that's why I said after Hodjar, I'm planning to write a book, or maybe we start working on that now. Um, again, I get so many questions about this, and there's so many things that we've learned, and we've interacted with so many other companies that do remote. Yes. Um, from Automatic to Basecamp, we've talked about how they do it and don't. Yes. So there's so many learnings that we need to be sharing. And, okay. and I'd say the first tip, more than anything, is if you have part of your team in one location, and you're thinking of remote as an add-on to that, to expand your possibilities, don't. Okay. That's not gonna work. In my opinion, and from what the experience I've seen, mixing remote with non-remote doesn't work very well, mainly because it creates the us and them, me and them culture, and you feel left out. Um, so it's, 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 it's critical that you avoid this us and them situation, and, and the reality is human nature. If you're jumping on a call on Zoom with a headset, and on the other end, there's six people in a room, that you don't really feel like you're part of the team. And that very quickly, early on, creates this separation. Okay. So unless you're willing to have everyone with a headset on, joining a call separately, then probably remote is not the idea, if you really truly want to invest in it, right? So, Fascinating. And to me, remote is everyone individually connected to together, right? It's not adding a team on to an existing company in a separate location. That is not remote. So. Is that because part of that means that you're, you're, you'd almost have two, two tiers of people and the remote people are kind of, you never quite get your head around the how other, to work with them the other because people. you're so used to interacting in a, in exactly. a in the, yeah, okay. That's fascinating. It's, 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 it's about culture, right? It's, it's really, really important to not create that divide. And is it, uh, is it easier, do you think, to scale, uh, if you're working in this way, uh, is it much more challenging if they're all working out of the house? Or if you have like twos and threes and fours of pods of offices around <coughs> the place, what works better? Yeah, I think it all depends on, on the culture, the values of the company, the culture of the people. I guess leaders who prefer the more command mode will struggle with remote, right? So remote sure. works best when you are a more transparent, trusting, open leader. Like that, that, that's where like, 
not everything is made to work for everyone, right? So there are sure, situations sure. where it's not ideal. So there are many different formats you can have with different pods and everything. But what we found is that what's worked really well for us, and the more I speak to people who have challenges, this is kind of feels like what would help them, is that we do not distinguish between you and like this country and that country. Like, when I speak to someone, it's probably this global citizen thing I have in my mind. Like I, I don't think of them in that way. That's just like a detail. Yeah. It's the equivalent yeah. of what clothes they, they like to wear and this yeah, is the country yeah, where yeah, they yeah. live. But when we connect digitally, we're just there. We're like, we're in a Hodjar sphere and, yeah. you know, and that's it. So we don't think beyond that. It's fascinating to hear it, David, because uh, so many people will tell you that, uh, you know, they build a remote team, sometimes for cost reasons, sometimes for other reasons, uh, sometimes just because they can't find people where they are. It's so competitive. Um, and they always say, oh, get an office and get eight or nine of them and make and get that one amazing person that will. Uh, yeah. uh, but it's fascinating to listen to somebody who's scaled a successful company, from people working at home or working out of their own office or whatever, all around the planet. And the reality is it, it will work for some companies to have one office and have a leader and, and just sure, own sure. that, right? It will work. Yeah. It all depends what is your objective. Okay. Are you just trying to make a quick buck and you need that team and you know what I mean? Or are you trying to scale up a culture organization, right? So it, it depends what your objectives are. And how many people are in Hotchar now? Uh, we're 70 team members. Wow. wow. Across how many countries? 17. Any tips that you would give to somebody considering starting up a business themselves, whether they're in the middle of a corporate job or they're coming out of university. Any t what are the two or three things you'd do if you were going back in time? Yeah, looking back at my mistakes and failures, I'd say the one most important thing is do not start with the product, start with the market. And it took me very long to understand this. A great book to read about this, because we don't have much time, is The 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing. It's by um, the people who wrote Positioning, so it's all about understanding that at the end of the day, you need to be a brand that owns a position in the mind of your market, and you need to start from there, okay. and then build a product for that. And obviously, typically your idea of what to build and how to take this position comes from your experience. So I'm not saying you should go and find a hole in a market, but more than anything, validate your idea against that, right? So I, I advise, I speak to a lot of young startups and people starting off and I'd say easily 80, 90% of the reason why they end up failing is they made the mis same mistake I did, right? They have this great idea, <laughs> driven typically out of their passion. Yes. Uh, and I wrote a blog post about this, the passion fallacy, which is your, pa your passion drives you to do something because you love it, but no one wants it, <laughs> right? So it's important to think about that. Do you, have any inner superpower, one or two superpowers that for you, you know they're your strong points, they're the things that have helped you be successful. Uh, would you mind sharing what, what they might be? Yeah, and, and in fact, we, we actually know how to everyone's strengths. We, we do something called the Strength Finder. Okay. Which is basically a small book with a survey embedded in it, with a link to survey. <coughs> Excuse me. You answer some questions, based on that it profiles your strengths, then you read the book and it tells you how to make those strengths even better. So we wow. focus on strengths, not on weaknesses. And I think what's helped me a lot, two of my strengths, at least out of the five, 
One is called individualization. I have no idea what that is. Uh, it's basically, apparently, that I'm very good at empathizing and stepping into the shoes of someone else. So it makes sense that I'm working on hot job, right? So <laughs> we're, we're, we're creating an empathy tool. So it makes you sense. are. And the second one is communication. I can definitely be better at, at it, but I'm very conscious of it. And yeah, we talked about remote earlier. Communication is the key there, right? You really need to over-communicate to keep everyone on the same page. So those two things have really helped me. Tell me two or three things uh, more that you do when you're onboarding people uh, into this uh, wonderfully uh, uh, diverse and um, connected but, uh, but remote uh, team of people that you're building. And things that you might do in the first month or two months to, um, I don't know, to build them, to, to build them into your culture. To, to get them into the swing of things? There's a lot we do, but we're still very far from where we want to be. We believe in hiring people that self-manage. That's one of the most important things. If you're doing remote and you're hiring people that can't self-manage, that, that is a foundation you can't build upon. So, in true spirit to that, what we do when you join Hodjar is we have like a Trello board, which is basically, there's everything in there that we've learned. There's videos from me. There's books you have to read. So we're big on books. I think you can tell that by now. Yeah, I can. Uh, you okay. receive a what Kindle. Can you tell us what books they are? Oh, so, oh, I need to process that for a second. Um, we asked them to read uh, Radical Candor, which is critical for the way we communicate. Great book. Yeah. Another book we, we ask everyone to read is Making Websites Win by Conversion Rate Experts, where I used to work before, a lot of methodology in there around that. And the final one, well actually the final one then varies depending in which department you've landed. Gotcha. So there's a marketing book, a customer yeah. experience book, operations book. But these are like the core ones. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and then, basically this, this it's, it's all self-managed, there's a list of things you have to do. And one of the things also is that you have to book a call with me, so that one month in, we spend one hour talking about vision. I talk to them about if something is broken, they need to come to me in the company. And I tell them, you are my set of eyes um, because I don't know what it means to join Hodger at 70 people, but they do. <laughs> and that's really important to me, right? That's, so, that's fascinating. So yeah. I really make sure that they understand the future of the company depends on their eyes. And so we make, like, we really put a lot of effort into that. But also equally important from a remote standpoint is some remote companies kind of, they bring you on as a contractor, you use your computer. There really is in this feeling of you've walked into the office and you're welcomed, you're kitted up. And so we do this, like as soon as you join our job, we send you a top notch headset, a Kindle, the Strengths Finder in a package. Nice. And then we give you a budget to set up your office at home, like buy a desk, buy um, equipment, um, and yeah, that's, that's, that really makes it, we call it trust from day zero. So people really feel like, oh, I've actually joined the company yeah. as a team member, despite my location or type of contract. Could it be possible, because of the, the, the systems you've set up, uh, to select the right type of people to work remotely, and because of the trust you, 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 you give them, and they, they'll be aware of that, and the trust they give back to you over time, could it be possible that remote teams are actually could actually be wired so that people stay longer I, I think than, that's than the traditional case. companies I, I think 
So we're 70 team members. We only had one person in the past asked to leave. We had our wow. second now. Um, he still loves Hajar. His dream has always been to live in Asia. And his wife had an opportunity, so they're moving over. But he told me if, I, if we come back, I'm, I'm going to come knock on your door. So yeah, definitely, I see a correlation in that. Amazing, amazing. It's like nearly we've created, literally, not just a, a business culture, like a subculture of how we also uh, live and speak and, and like, I really see that. It's a community. Next week, we have the first of a three-part miniseries with Canadian Mark Organ, CEO and founder of Influitive, which helps companies mobilize their advocates to provide more referral leads, Next reference week, calls, three -part social media advocacy, CEO and founder of Influitive software which helps companies strategically mobilize advocates within their community. The company has raised $60 million in its nine-year existence. Before that, he was the founding CEO of Eloqua, which was subsequently sold for $870 million USD to Oracle. You've been listening to 14 Minutes of SaaS. Thanks to Mike Quill, for his creativity and problem-solving skills, and to Katsu for the music. This episode was brought to you by me, Stephen Cummins. If you enjoyed the podcast, please don't forget to share it with your network, subscribe to the series, and give the show a rating.